It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. Well, greetings and thank you for joining me for this edition of Taking It On with Paula Price. And what are we taking on today? Probably a subject that we've all danced around a little bit and we've all kind of, you know, figured out we have the answers to. But I want to talk about something that's probably uncommon and that's parental curses. And I want to talk about it from the perspective of how that those curses, that anger, those criticisms and all of those things that we do to our children tracks them throughout their lives and has a great deal to do with their successes or their failure, their receptiveness or a, a rejection. We have to deal with this. And the reason we have to deal with this is because far too many people are going through psychological treatment. They're on some sort of medication just to deal with the emotional things that happen to them in their lives. It's important. So parental curses. When I say that, what do I mean? Well, I want to go set aside the obvious, and the obvious is, you know, parents who curse out their kids. You know, I, I, I don't understand that, that you literally curse out your own child, your flesh, your body, and you curse them for things that make no sense. And you curse your children. I've heard people in supermarkets cursing two-year-old children out, literally two, four, six. Those kids don't even know what the words mean. But they do know the tone and they do know the sentiment and both of which penetrate their soul. We have just wrapped up our uh, first session in biblical psychology and we did, uh, dealt a lot with children and childhood trauma. I mean, a great deal with children and childhood trauma and the role the parent plays on the first imprint on the soul. And so biblical psychology, we've uh, dubbed it creator psychology. But do you know what happens to your child's soul when your voice goes into it? And so it's, it's important that you begin to think about your words because words create an atmosphere, create a force field around your child's life. And that, that force field is what people meet when they meet your child. That's what teachers meet and decide whether or not they like your child or they don't. That is what school officials meet, teens meet, classmates meet. You ever wonder that the kid that gets bullied, that kid that gets bullied, you need to check into that parental communications and the things that, that happen or said to that child if it's not a pass along from one of the parents. And usually it's a pass along. But what I, I want to say is that what you say to your youngster today, the names that you call them, the injustices. I don't care what you say. I don't care who said it. This is what you do. And all of those kinds of things, they imprint your child's soul. But they don't just imprint your child's soul. They affect the brain. And they create damages because the, the panic that you trigger or the fear or the anxiety that you trigger when that child has to encounter you. I mean, there are kids that will drag home from school simply because they know that they have a very tyrannical parent. A ve and, and it's really terror. 
You, you know, you terrorize your own child. And so the reason I, I, I brought it up, I thought, well, this is a good time because sometimes you don't know. In our generation, anything you did to your child was okay. But then look at us. Hallelujah. All right. But as we got older, we did, we went the other extreme and then we give, didn't give our child any sense of strength. Now, these are the kids that when they go to school, they can't deal with hardship or difficulty. So we have to strike a balance. And this is all a new development for us. But I will say to you that 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 patriarchal curse, that patriarchal condemnation, that matriarchal curse and condemnation does not stop when the sound goes out the parent's mouth. It echoes. It reverberates because sound does that. And so it echoes and it reverberates and it pounds your kid and it pounds your child until they begin to generate psychological and physiological resources to reinforce your word and to bring their own perspectives, their own courage, their own existence in line with your words. Because words don't just have power, they have frequency. And each frequency has an effect. So the brain is very smart. If, if you're going to keep telling your kids you're stupid, you know, you're a mess up, you're useless, and I don't know why I had you, you, you know, you may feel good as a parent getting that off your chest. I mean, listen, it's something I've already said. I can't find anybody else to listen to these sentiments, to listen to my feelings. So, hey, oh, oh, I know what I'll do. I have a kid. I'll dump it on my child. Now, in your mind, the moment is gone. But your child's physiological, psychological, and even their mental makeup has to do something with those words. You know, the Bible said that there is no sound without significance. Now, I like the word significance because it's, it, it, it's, the beginning of it is sign. Every word produces a sign, a sign, an attitude, a belief. So your child goes to school and they do that. One of the things that I do when I counsel parents in my church and I've been pastoring the better part of 30 years, one of the things that I do is I encourage them to draw on their child's strength and not punish the child's weaknesses. And so children are very intelligent, and you can communicate with them in, in any sort of ways. But the reason that I'm dealing with this now is so many churches are full of, filled with dysfunctional adults who are still living under parental curses. You're never going to be anybody. You're never going to make anything out of yourself. You're a mess up, and God forbid if the kid really does mess up, they are never allowed to forget it. So we keep that memory going. We keep renewing that memory and thus renewing the punishments that we started when the kid messed up. And I'm telling you, because really, you know, we misinterpreting scripture, you know, train up a child in the way they should go is truth, is Bible. And there are times, I don't care what the government says, that your child needs discipline. But discipline should start with encouragement and correction, the last thing should be physical discipline. That should be your last resort. Now, I know that we live in a society, and I'm so glad I have my trusty little show called Taking It On with Paula Price because I can say stuff. And one of the things that I will say to you is that the government is very hypocritical because they take your child from you and put them in institutions where they are also beaten or mistreated, etc. So there's no easy answer is my point. Nobody has the easy answer. When you're dealing with a child, you're dealing with a person, a real personality that is the mixture of two people and their family trees. 
And so there are a whole lot of things we just don't know as they're continuing to explore this. But what I will say is that there are words that you say that hinder your child's progress, that hinders their faith in themselves. There are words that literally people meet. Because when, the, when those words are aroused again for whatever thing, whether they had a recent failure or recent trauma or something, when people meet your words on your child, they reject your child. Now, that rejection doesn't stop or they exploit your child. Because some people, your, your abuse of choice is laxity and indulgence, which is equally as damaging because you send naive youngsters into the world who can't, understand what works. So you would have decided that they're never going to suffer this kind of a treatment and they're never going to be deprived or denied. That might be your thing, but that is not useful for your child because your child are going to meet people who don't have your love for them. And because they don't have your love for them or your sense of best interest, they have no vested interest in, in your child. You do. So it, it hits both extremes. I've seen both in my life and in my service to God where you have parents who just, the, you know, you know the parents who bring the kid over to your house and let them run all over your furniture. Uh, you know, now, now see, you know, me, I got to be, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to hit something. Hold on. Just let me slap a few things. First of all, you, you're, you're, nobody's child is allowed to do more in my house than mine were. That's my first rule. I don't love your child more than I love mine. So if my kids can't run all over my house and tell all of that stuff, neither can yours. If that's what you allow your child to do, then you need to keep them home. Because you see, people, again, ill will has a sentiment. It has a fragrance. It has an emission. And people will have ill will toward your children because they have ill will toward you. See, that won't stop. So you might feel good. Well, we just let them do what to do. That might be your thing because you think it's cute because your parents didn't let you tell them stuff or, or maybe they did because it's always the result of two extremes. But I'm telling you, you have got to be careful. Even if you are a loving, caring parent, you're nurturing, you want your children to be comfortable, you still have to be careful about the ill will your parenting inspires in others about your kid. Everybody knows the bratty kid. People are like so-and-so coming and your attitude, but I don't care. This is who I am. That might be your sentiment, but understand your sentiment is not the only one going out. And as we do more studies, and I've been reading these studies where we're doing more with frequency and brainwave frequencies and emotional emissions and, and all those kinds of things, you realize that people don't like your kid and don't know why. Isn't that interesting? They don't even know why they don't like your kid because in, in effect, they don't like you through your child. But all of that's cute. You know, I used to teach my, 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 my church. I said, you know, there are a lot of things that you let your children do that's cute at two, that's a crime at 12, and punishable at 22. And I will give you a piece of advice that God gave me, and I know I got it from God because my household was not this. But God said to me one day, if you raise your child for your present pleasure, your child will fail in his or her future. Because they were raised for your fantasy and not for their impending reality. The world that we grew up in does not exist anymore. It just doesn't. It's gone. Bye-bye. It wasn't, you know, it was nice. Beaver Cleaver days, gone. And not a lot of people had the Beaver Cleaver home, you know. But those days are gone. That quiet, gentler America is gone. What you must develop your child to do today is to succeed in the future 
that they have to become part of and they can't alter. They can't alter it. And so I have, you have to think about it. When you, even when you're screaming and yelling at your child and you're punishing them unjustly, they can't ever get a word in edgewise and they can't be believed. Do you realize the most hurtful thing to do with a child is to let them know that nothing they say will ever be believed? Because their parent is the first authority and the prevailing authority in your youngster's life. So, the, honest mom, I didn't, unless you found your kid to be a liar, a chronic liar, which we'll talk therapy, then you're going to have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And so I say that because when you grow up in a violent household, when you grow up in a very tyrannical household, when you grow up with parents who just are getting their past off their back on your life, it forms in you. And we often tell, just do what I say and not what I do. That's not how it works with children. And so the kid grows up, and the kid can't face issues, can't face authority. Where do you think this drug thing came from? Where do you think this whole idea of dropping out of life in America came from? It came from parents who made children feel that the one thing they needed to do was evade them and avoid them, whether it's you have to be on the so-and-so team. You have to be the cheerleader. You have to be the pretty one. Living your failures and your missed opportunities in your child's life does not prepare them for their future. Because life is different. We may keep the same conventions and the same institutions, but let's be real. It's very different. Well, when I was a child, it doesn't matter. What works is if what you say about your being a child is an institution that won't die, that, that won't perpetuate itself, or will. But if it's something that I lived, one of the things that when I start talking to him, the kids start talking, yeah, well, you know, he always, he always telling me about what he did and, and, and doesn't care about it. No, you need to know the world your child is in. I think every parent should be slightly prophetic. Because you should have an eye toward the future. You should have a sense of where your child is going, the life that's going to exist. Who in the world thought when we were coming up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s, I'm dating myself, but who would have thought that our children would have access to immediate vulgarity? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that there would be MTV that raised our children to dislike us as parents and, and, and crafted a culture and a consciousness that assures that our child self-destructs at a certain period in life? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought when we had VH1 put into the schools that that was going to be the detriment and the bane of our child's character and morality? Nobody thought that. So now Pandora's out. So the rules of parenting must change. And trying to beat yesteryear into your child or pummel it into their psyche, psyche is a useless effort. Well, I don't care how, where you put your children. You can say all day long, yeah, well, we, you know, we're out here, we're in this place, or we're in the hills, or we're in the valleys, or we're down underground and whatnot. We have people who are moving underground. But you know what? They have to see the light of day. And when they do, the world that has come into existence is their future. It is important for you to read what, what companies are doing in the future because it tells you a lot about what your child needs to know, the skills your child needs to survive in that future. You need to know what's happening with church, what's happening with Christianity. You need to know what's happening in society. You need to understand that and, and read their plans. You know, I, I, I understood what my children were going to face because I worked for a communications company and I read their master plan. 
And I knew that however way and sweet and wonderful it was, as difficult as my home life was, it was still a different era, but I knew that I had to prepare my children for that. Now, they didn't know it. You need to know what city planners are doing because how do you get a handle on developing your child for the future if you don't have access to the plans of that future? But <clears throat> raising your child because, man, it was really wonderful because you went to the prom. Your kid doesn't want to go to prom. Why are you forcing your thing on your kid? Your kid, well, you know, all he wants to do is, is stay home and read books. Well, I don't know. That might be a little smart thing because it's crazy out there because it's not as safe. Even the things, the recreations that were safe, they're not safe any longer. And they weren't all that safe back then. People just weren't talking about it. You know, kids were told to suck it up, shut up, keep it to yourself, etc. Now we've gone to the other stream, just dump, 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 dump. But then humanity is about extremes. That's just what we do. And every now and then we get fortunate enough to find a balance, a plumb line, that we can say, okay, this is balance. Uh, much of what you al allowed your child to do, you did not allow them to do because you understood it's dangerous to them or it's benefits. You allowed it because it was reminiscent of a time in your life. And so you reminisced and your child paid the price for it. So then you wonder, well, that's not what happened when, uh, no, different generation, different generation, different people. And let's go back to how you did it. Well, I'm sorry, no daughter of mine is going to be a so-and-so. You're not going to be a wallflower. You're not going to be unlike. You're going to be popular. What if they don't care about people like you did? Maybe their, their soul is not that fragile in that area as yours. I look at these little contests that they have with the little girls dressed up like old women to, to win a contest. That's a mama's dream. That's not a kid's dream. But yet you get to infect their soul with your missed opportunities. And you compel them to live your past in their present. That's, that, that's a danger. And it's not only is it a danger, it creates a soul that needs things that are detrimental to it. I need, we're going to need somebody to boss us around and tell us what to do. We're going to need people to fawn over us all the time. We're going to need boys to just love us no matter what. Because all of that is what you didn't have or you miss because you got older. But you curse your kid's future by forcing your past on their present. If your kid does not want to do what you did, you need to recognize they have a different destiny. Psalm 139, 15 through 18 says God wrote a book on everybody's life and he covered in that book every second of every day. It's the parent's job to understand what God wrote for that life. Because that life, it, that the body that you're shaping for this world and the soul that you're shaping, the psyche, if you will, that has a code that the creator put in it. And you're overriding it with your parental authority and causing that soul to go in a direction that it is not equipped to survive or that it will not benefit from. Even if the kid gets, you know, they do it. Do you realize that when people grow up, what you put in their soul is what other folks meet? The bully, the father's like, you're punk, not going to be, a not, you're, you're not going to be a punk. I've seen fathers that just punch their sons, just keep punching them and punching them so that they, because they think that will make them less cowardly. Now, the fact that you're punching a kid is not cowardly. Okay, so that's not cowardly. But I mean, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. So let's talk about that. You talk about most women are their mother's missed opportunities fantasies 
if they're and we have healthy ones don't don't get me wrong but most of them are not why do you think i mean you're talking about a little girl has to figure out how to get somebody in school to like her because mom says so and a little girl has to become yielded to some male kid because mom says so i mean do you know the worst institution we ever did with our kids is is the whole dating institution for teens so you have to have a mock marriage and try to figure out how to keep a relationship together while you get through school. And then you wonder why our, our, our country's stats are in the toilet. Everything about the kid is physical intimacy. Now, they can't even spell it. Half of them, if they win a spelling bee, they'd lose. Can't spell intimacy. Is that I-I-M-T? Well, it's something. But you, parents. You force your children into adult postures and then punish them when they don't do well or punish them when the other things they're supposed to do don't happen. You cannot, most adults can't keep a good marriage going. You know, we find it hard to try to make your marriage work. And you're telling your kid to do that over and over and over again throughout their childhood. You're telling them. And that something is wrong with them. Because Satan decided that this is how children have to behave. Again, that's some fertility devils. So you're telling your child. So your child has got to be, uh, get strong at being picked over, passed over, lied at, mocked, scorned, rejected, ridiculed, and abused. You realize dating is an abusive thing? And you're putting your kid in it. And so what happens, you curse their future marriage. Because all they know how to do is when I'm fed up, I walk. 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 And they know how to break up. They don't know how to make up. They know how to leave. They know how to damage other people. You have no idea. You need to rethink the, the adult you want to unleash on society. And, and sending them out with pains and, and curses and punishments, and ridicule, and comparison to you. Do you realize how many parents compare their, force their children into comparing themselves with their own childhood? And we have to take your word for it, what you remember is true. Because you might be remembering it wrongly, or you could be remembering it emotionally. And everybody knows the emotional memory is not as reliable as the intellectual memory. So you're, you remember the things that made you feel good or the things that made you feel horrible. But we don't know if you remember all of the cast of characters, if you remember the sequences, or anything like that. And yet your poor child has to become a replicant of what you may or may not accurately recall. And when you think differently, why? Because we have raised a generation that thinks being sober is the worst thing in the world. Why? Because we've raised a generation that thinks that being moral is the worst thing in the world. Why? And all of them are based on parental memories and fantasies that may or may not have been accurate. Nobody can really say what happened when you did this or that. We have to trust your word for it. But your kid doesn't have a choice. They have to take for granted that you wouldn't lie to them and that you wouldn't mislead them. Your kids must take that for granted. And then when they fail your fantasy, they're punished. When they don't conform. Well, I, when I was your age, I won that. We don't know that. Where's the plaque? Where's the thing? I want to see it. Because a lot of times it isn't. We don't know that you didn't cheat. We don't know that the, the whole 360 of the story is what we're hearing. 
and yet our children are held hostage to such things. You want to know why they're, they're trying to do anything but be alert? Because they feel like they have a lot to forget. You want to know why they feel like being honest is a horrible thing? Because we've taught them that lies are definitely stronger and more accepted. Think about the consciousness that we've given these children. Why are they, why are they angry? I'm either rejected, I'm in, I come home, I'm in my room, you won't look up, you won't say, hello son, how was school? Hello daughter, did you make it? You don't do anything. Go to your room, go do this, get out of my face, I'm busy. You realize that some of your kids are very social and they needed your social skills and your sociability to feel good. Some of your kids are very much competitive. They needed you to teach them how to manage that and cause it to work to their advantage. And some of your children are artistic. And oh, wow, you know, there's a Jacob and an Esau. And, and usually the Jacob kids get beat up and they get mocked and they get abused and bullied by the Esau children. This is a, I just took a brief amount of time to handle something that's so massive. But, you, but, but parents around the country are going to have to take responsibility for why their children think being, being drunk, being intoxicated, being addicted, and being on the street is more favorable than a home life. It's important, and you have to take responsibility for it because we talk about it, we look at teachers. You realize that as much as I bless teachers, and I think teachers are wonderful, the product of today's country is the public school system. This is what they gave us. Kids who are, kids who are afraid to, <clears throat> to, to be straight. Kids who are looking for the next high. Kids who can't take anything seriously. That's what we have. And until we face the truth of our products, we can't correct them. But when we face that truth, we can make a difference. And maybe with the, those coming up, alter the situation. Hey, thanks for listening to me. I've had a great time sharing this with you. If you found it a blessing, then go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and drop me a line and tell me what you got or how this benefited you. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. If you like what you heard today, Visit DrPaulaAPrice.com for resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully. Follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.